Welcome back to Chin Music, our, our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. The lineup, Roy Smalley, former Twin Star, current Twins broadcaster, longtime Twin Cities resident. He settled here. Lavelle Neal III, Star Tribune columnist. I'm Jim Suhan, also from the Star Tribune. Lavelle will be joining us shortly, we hope. Uh, and Roy, we're talking off the air about, you know, with the Twins really doing nothing in free agency right now and probably doing nothing in part because they don't have a TV deal that provides the revenues that kind of give them an extra extra cash to spend in free agency. I mean, the TV deal, it's a, it's a big deal. And uh, I don't know if you have any insights or, or opinions or thoughts on where this might be headed. You know, I, I don't have any, um, any great insight. I'm kind of, uh, I, I was kind of hearing uh, last week that uh, there was going to be a um, co- uh, court hearing yesterday um, and the feeling, I think, around the, the Twins uh, organization was that they were going to uh, come away with a, you know, a one-year deal at Bally's, Diamond Sports North, you know, a, a one-year stopgap deal, which would be a real positive, obviously, for everybody to know what was happening. They had the, I, I think they had the hearing yesterday. I don't know what, if anything, was decided. It, they've had several of those when they kept think that they were going to get something decided and nothing happens, uh, could have been that way yesterday. I have not heard. Yeah. We'll have Lavelle weigh in on this too. Uh, the news stories I read, I, I'm not really on the inside on this story. The news story I read indicated that, uh, Amazon prime wanted to take over their streaming, streaming their games and MLB didn't want to give them more than one year deal because they want this to be a transition year to doing something more, uh, profitable and stable long-term, maybe even taking the broadcast in house. It feels like, we're headed back for a one-year re-up at Diamond Valley Sports and then figure out what you're going to do this year. That makes sense for all parties. The question is, can they agree on a number? Yeah, that's right. It's all about, um, you know, the uh, coming out of uh, bankruptcy proceedings and, and uh, you know, looking at it from a business standpoint from both the Twins and from Diamond Sports. Like, what, you know, what's, what's possible, what's agreeable? Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot still to be determined. Again, this is Chin Music, part of TalkNorth.com. Our producer is Brandon Morton. Best way to listen to the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. We want to thank Aquarius Home Services, Twill in the Edina Galleria, and TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. We'll tell you more about them later. Uh, we'll get back into some of the TV speculation when we get Lavelle on. Uh, let's Let's go here. I think a segment of the fan base has determined that the best way to get a top pitcher in here via trade is to trade Brooks Lee. He's one of their top prospects. He's very talented. He looks like he's going to be a refined hitter. Uh, and they have their shortstop and third baseman of the future set. You know, maybe, maybe they have their second baseman of the future set. If, if Julian approves defensively, they keep him there. Uh, they, it, you know, so in some ways you could look him at him as a perfect trade piece uh, I'm interested in your opinions. I'll start with mine, which is that because they don't know what their finances are going to look like, because they're not spending a lot of money in, in free agency. So I do think Brooks Lee is going to be a very interesting subject, at least for us to talk about. I don't know whether the Twins would be well. I mean, the Twins would be willing to deal him for the right pitcher, but I don't think there are many pitchers they would trade him for. What's your view of that, uh, Roy? I don't. I, I would hope not. I would hope there aren't many pitchers that they would trade him for. I. I just have a middle infielder that switch hits and, and can hit. Um, you know, I just, 
until you really know, and I know if you, if, if what you find out is that you can't be a big league player, then you've lost an opportunity. <coughs> Excuse me. But I, I just, I, I wouldn't like to see it now. I, I'd like to, I'd like to see them go into the season as best they can with the, the pitchers that they have. And then, you know, May, June, approaching the, uh, you know, the trade deadline, then, then you know, re- reconvene, you know, just, just figure something out if you have to, you know, the best you can. But I, uh, I, I, I would just hate to see them never really know how, you know, what kind of player he's going to be until somebody else, proves it to us you know I just, I just don't like it right and listen they spent big on Correa they've spent big on a few free agents right now they're not spending anything and affordable players are going to be vital for this, this franchise and maybe you know maybe they get the right tv deal done maybe in the future there are more local tv revenues so they come to a better uh, sharing plan and they can they can and will spend more right now they're not spending so i, I just be i would hate to see them give up on somebody who could it be one of your, could be one of your best players uh, do you have where would if he came up? It, let's say he tore it up spring training, tore it up early in the season, and kind of forced his way to the big leagues. In this alignment with their current roster, where would you want to see him play? Well, I think he's got to play second base. Um, yeah, uh, I just don't think that. I mean, he's not going to play shortstop, uh, and uh, Royce Lewis is going to play third. I, I I would assume. I mean, unless they unless they decide to move Royce Lewis to to the outfield. Uh, which they could do. I mean, they could make a trade for um, you know, for uh, Kepler uh, or with Kepler, and um, you know, Royce Lewis could go to the outfield, and and Brooks Lee could play third. And uh, the the issue that I have second base is that uh, Polanco at some point in time is you know maybe not going to be the answer, and he's at second base, um, and he is probably. Uh, pretty good trade value right now. I don't think Julian's their answer at second base. I don't know that he's going to get get there defensively. I, I mean, maybe he will, uh, but you know, if you've got a shortstop uh, like Brooks Lee, a guy that plays shortstop all all his life, and they thought he was a decent shortstop, second base is going to be a place he could play and 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 play it very well defensively. So now all of a sudden you're looking at you know, Royce Lewis and Correa and Brooks Lee in the, in the infield. And that's an offense potentially, depending on Royce Lewis continuing to, to uh, improve and refine and Brooks Lee being the hitter that everybody thinks he's going to be. I mean, all of a sudden you've got an infield and it gives you the opportunity to play, you know, Julian at first, if um, you know, if you want to, I mean, I, I think it, it gives them offense in the infield that not a whole lot of teams have. And, and um, so I, I, I just kind of feel like second base is, is a, a good spot for Brooks Lee. Yeah, and we just saw it with, with Sager and uh, the Rangers. I mean, when you have infielders who can pound the ball, your lineup ends up looking really deep. Well, it's really true. I mean, it, it, you know, they got, you know, it was Simeon and, uh, you know, Sager, they, uh, you know, they've got a one-two punch of on base uh on base extravaganza run production extravaganza and you just kind of just kind of take it from there and and you know texas had built themselves a wonderful wonderful offensive club and and you can see uh you can see that coming potentially for uh for the twins i if um if brooks lee is the second baseman and and they've got 
Kirilov and, and Julianne uh, options elsewhere. Um, you know, I just, I just think it, um, it, it gives them a chance to have a similar kind of offense, especially if, if uh, Byron Buxton can, uh, can ever play 130 games in center. Yeah, and it, it's, I mean, we'll talk about Byron more as we get closer to spring training during spring training. Uh, they, it's always difficult to parse, you know, what a team feels it needs to say from what they really believe, uh, especially when they're praising players and, and talking about injuries. It feels to me like they have a much more optimism about Buxton this year than they did last year. Last year they tried to, not to say too much, and they got to spring training, and they had the conversations about DHing. It was obvious that, that just he just wasn't going to play that many games in center field, even if it went perfectly and it didn't go perfectly. This year, it feels like they're going to give it a shot and they feel a little bit better about it. I don't know what you've heard. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything other than uh, the way they're talking about it this year sounds better than last year, to your point. And um, so, you know, we can all, you know, cross our fingers and, and uh, hope that uh, Byron gets to a point where next year where he plays – uh, majority games in center field and has a run for about four or five years where he doesn't get hurt. That would be, that, that would be a, yeah, what's the Shakespeare line? That would be a consummation devoutly to be wished. <laughs> Beautiful. That, oh, that's awesome. I got to get a t-shirt uh, says that. That, that on front <laughs> Oscar Gamble on the back, you'd have it all covered, I think. <laughs> uh, did you know Billy Gardner? Oh gosh, I played for him. Absolutely. I, I thought so. Absolutely. He's just, he was, is is really missed. He was just a wonderful, wonderful gem of a guy, and and you know, lifelong baseball guy, good player in his own right uh, for your Baltimore Orioles. Yes, uh, and um, he, uh, he 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 was a, a good manager, a players a manager in the old sense, old time sense of the word, and um, and just was a. Uh, it was a one-liner a minute. I mean, he's he just just really, really funny. Nicknamed Slick because of the way he could turn the double play, but he was he was slick. <laughs> he was just slick. It was it was and not in the bad sense, not in the not in the uh, greasy uh, slick sense. He was just he, he was as honest and real as it, it uh, could be. And and I uh, I actually tweeted this out, but I will repeat it uh, here. My favorite line. This is back in um, in eighty one or eighty two, and the big conversation was about motivating players and uh, and uh, and um, communicating with players and how these young players. How do you motivate? How do you communicate them? They asked Billy Gardner, and he said, "Well, I always believed that motivation was the uh, contract and uh, communication was the lineup card." <laughs> <laughs> That's right on. Just my, just my favorite. I mean, that doesn't fly today. It stopped flying quite a while ago, like probably right after Slick left. But um, he was the best. Uh, I remember was it McKean who won the uh, World Series with the Marlins as the interim manager. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I remember talking to people around that organization during that postseason. They were like, "This is really weird. He doesn't talk to anybody." He doesn't talk to players. He just does as little as he can with like media. He just goes to his office. He writes down the lineup. He talks to his coaches, puts up the lineup, and then he runs the game. He doesn't communicate with anybody. And they want to now they won a World Series because they had a lot of talent, but but they won a World Series with that approach. So that, that ain't just one way to do it. 
<laughs> no, that's really true. I mean, the, well, there is one way to do it. And the one way to do it is just get a whole bunch of horses that, uh, yep. that you're right out in the lineup card like he had uh, <clears throat> that year and then get out of the way. I mean, that's the one way to do it. Other than that, there are all kinds of uh, ways to do it. And, and uh, Slick had his way. I mean, he just he loved his players. Players loved him. He was not the kind of guy that, I mean, as much as he loved his players, he was not the kind of guy that would, um, you know, put his arm around a, a, a young guy and say, you know, let's talk about you know, communication and motivation. He just wasn't, it just, he was old school, but he was, he was a good guy. He was an honest guy. Everybody knew that, that all the players knew he liked them uh, and wanted the best for him. And, and I had, I had nothing but great interactions with Slick in the short time that I, a little bit in 81 and then, uh, and then started the year in 82 uh, with him. Uh, and before I got, I think I got, I played the first four or five games in the, in the new Metrodome under Slick and then got traded to the Yankees uh, five games into the 82 season. Then when I came back to the Twins in, 80, in 85, I heard there was a, uh, uh, it, it was more than a rumor. I was pretty sure that I was coming back, you know, for, to the Twins in '85, and so uh, my family and I just went to spring training and uh, hanging out at the team hotel, waiting for uh, waiting for the thing to break that, that I was uh, that I was coming back. And I was, you know, hanging out at the pool and Slick walked up and he was just beaming and he said, "I just," he said, "I just can't wait to get you back in the lineup." You know, blah blah blah. I mean, it just it was. It was really, really nice. It, it, very gratifying, and and, and as, as I say, his his and my interactions were always really, really good. And Ricey tells great Billy Gardner stories. I remember oh, yeah. Lavelle. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Ricey's the best at the Billy Gardner stories, and he, I think he stayed in like a motel when he was managing in Minnesota. And uh, yeah, so I, I defer to Ricey on the best on a lot of the best Billy Gardner stories, but I'm glad Roy had some great memories as well. We're going to bring Lavelle here in a second. We do want to let you know we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. We want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Scott for Aquarius, wishing you a happy new year. And happy, how can we be only halfway through winter? Want some good news? Now is the time to replace your old furnace and AC with a new high-efficiency whole home heating and cooling system. Because at Aquarius, you can install it now and not pay a penny until next year. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com and schedule your free estimate today. Financing offer subject to available credit. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Lavelle, in the first half of the show, we were talking a little bit about the TV deal, and it feels and sounds like they might end up going back to Bally's for one year while they figure all this out. What are you hearing? Yeah, you know, the uh, if, at first I was uh, nervous because there was supposed to be a hearing on Wednesday. Uh, the hearing got postponed, so I kind of ah, reached out okay. to, to see uh, what the ramifications of that were, and someone said that means they may be getting close to agreeing to run it back for one more year. So, um, so they're trying to stay away from a court. Uh, situation and work things out on the side here. So let's, I think it's got, I think it was postponed for 10 days. So uh, let's just hope at the end of this 10 day window, they avoid having to go to court and come up with their own agreement to, uh, to have twins games on Bally's for one more season. I think that was, that would be the best thing for everyone, especially a year in which uh, blackout restrictions are going to be lifted. So more people get a chance to see uh, a, a, a twins team, Whose whose arrow is still pointing up? I will maintain. A lot of people walking around town, uh, down in the dumps over the uh, direction of the organization. But I think there's a lot of upside here, and they're definitely going to be competitive in the division. And um, this would be a good time to 
get connected with the squad. So hopefully the TV deal gets worked out here sooner than later. And for each of you, let's start with Lavelle. What's the best long-term solution for MLB in terms of quality broadcasting, easily accessible by fans, no blackouts, no needing to have a certain app or something to get it on, and makes enough money for teams like the Twins that they can spend in free agency? Well, you know, the, the thing that's not going to work is I was talking to someone who uh, knows more about this stuff than I do. Netflix is the only streaming service that's making money. Everybody else is struggling. And then some of these other ones are like hiring actors and actresses for gargantuan amounts of money to do uh, movies for them. And so it's putting them under. Um, so MLB thinking that they can automatically just go to streaming all the time. They, it may be something that, that could be more prudent down the road. But for now, they've got to figure out a TV solution and um, and not necessarily rely too much on streaming because that's not going to be as lucrative. So um, that it's I think I actually think it's a kind of a, a nervous time here with uh, sports television uh, because of the demi- demise of uh, Diamond Sports. And, you know, I don't know if MLB taking over broadcasts is, is definitely uh, the, the best route to go here. Uh, it would be great if some of these teams could start their own television networks. I know the Twins did it a few years ago, attempted to do it a few years ago with Victory Sports. Uh, that would kind of uh, circumvent some of the stuff. But at the same time, the startup costs are, are enormous and uh, you've got to uh, you gotta get everybody on board, man. So I, I think the solution's out there. We just haven't discovered what it is yet. And to revisit another thing that Roy and I talked about first half of the show, would you trade Brooks Lee for the right pitcher or do you – you view huh. Brooks Lee as somebody you got to keep around. I'm 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 leaning toward keeping Brooks Lee. It depends on the pitcher. Um, would I put him in a deal for Jesus Lizardo with the Marlins? Not sure, but I would be tempted. Lizardo's got a live arm and is left-handed. Um, I want to see what Brooks does in the majors first as well. Um, and it's a good problem to have for the Twins to kind of fit him in, whether he has to play third and put uh, Royce Lewis in center or play second um, and maybe put Eddie at first. Um, by the way, I, I'll, I'm not sure what Eddie's done this offseason, but, you know, the last uh, Canadian who wore number 47 uh, made some great adjustments defensively after his first year in the majors. True. So I know, I'm hoping that <laughs> Julian has found that same path uh, to becoming a, a functional, reliable second baseman because uh, the bat is real. And uh, we we want to see that uh, him in the lineup on an everyday basis, but uh, Jim, it would it would depend on who we're getting in return, and it would have to be it have to be someone who who darn near is like a, a, a pitcher one A. If if Pablo Lopez is your number one starter, this guy would have to be close to being the one A for me to consider putting Brooksley in a deal. And I'm sure that's that's the person everyone's asking about when Twins make these calls. Um, looking for starting pitching. So you got to play the game out, man. We, and we won't know. We, we may not have a solution to who's going to be in the rotation until the day before camp opens. No, I, and, and this team has made, been very aggressive during spring trainings. They will make a big move during spring training if the right deal uh, pops up. Uh, and, you know, Roy and I basically said basically the same thing you did about Brooks. Is it, to me, it's hard for a team that is dealing with whatever financial constrictions they are dealing with whether you consider them to be, you know, imposed or self-imposed, they're not going to spend a lot of money in free agency under these circumstances. And I think trading away a young, affordable player who you have under control for six years who might be great, I just think that's really risky. Oh, I agree. I agree. The way the the, the, the game is played now and how the Twins have to watch the payroll, you've got to 
uh, factor in uh, the years of control that they're giving up if they make a move like that. So um, that's why you have to be they have to be real careful about uh, the direction they're headed with this. I mean, I think the arise for Pablo Lopez trade was great for both teams. They both got what they needed. The Twins needed a frontline starter and um, the Marlins couldn't hit. They needed a bat. They both got what they wanted and the Marlins still have good young pitching that they could possibly trade. So, um, uh, yeah, but that, that I, I think the, the younger players who are talented have even more value today just because of the cost certainty you have with players who are under control. So you got to be careful about giving that up. Anything you want to add, Roy? No, I mean, that's uh, basically uh, Lavelle and I are in, in, a, in, in agreement uh, there. So I, I don't. You usually don't admit that publicly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I don't. I'm feeling. I'm feeling really magnanimous and generous. This morning. I don't know why. <laughs> um, no, I, um, I, I just think it's important not to say uh, we've got a switch hitting middle infielder that that we think is going to really hit. Uh, and, but we but we need pitching so badly we're not even going to know we're going to let some other team find out how good he is I I I, I, just, I don't like it and, and the only other thing that I would add is with you know the uncertainty of Buxton I mean Lavelle brings it up maybe Royce Lewis goes to center I'm 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 thinking and hoping that I mean this is a good problem to have if Ed, Eddie Julian uh, if they think that he can improve defensively enough at second base then Brooks Lee could play third and and Royce Lewis could play the outfield. Uh, I'm thinking about him in, you know, in left field or right field and, you know, because I want, you know, Buck to play center. But if Buck gets hurt again uh, or can't play uh, other than uh, other than DH, then you're going to have to do something in center field. And that then potentially Royce Lewis in center and Brooks Lee at, at third and Julian, you know, at, at second or Polacco at second and Julian at first. So I, I, I just think that you can't. You can't give up on a, on a middle infield hitter uh, that's you know played shortstop all his life. So, and I'll just reiterate what I said earlier. I mean, he's, he, second base will not be a difficult place for him to play, and mm-hmm. I, you can't you can't you can't give up on that. I um I would be much if I I've advocated for the Twins to keep Jorge Polanco just because of his switch hitting ability, and he's a veteran, and uh, he would definitely help the lineup in the top third of the batting order. I'd be more comfortable moving Polanco in a deal than I would Brooksley. Yeah, agree. That's that's such a logical move. He has value. He's proven. So you can get yeah. something for him on the trade market. He's a switch hitter. He can hit good pitching. Uh, he's a good clubhouse guy. He'll play anywhere you ask him to. I yeah. think he's a, a nice trade chip. Uh, I don't you know I don't know what you get for him, but but he he's a logical trade chip. And plus, I believe he's got another year was an option on the end of his contract, right? So you can get right. him for two years. Yeah. Yep, so I think it makes sense. All right, because the Twins are not making a massive amount of news right now, we're going to have some fun with these shows. Uh, we're going to hit op- the topics we need to hit. We're also going to do some goofy stuff. Today I'm going to ask the gentleman, who was the toughest manager you ever dealt with? Obviously, Roy from a, as a player and part-time media person, and uh, and Lavelle is a longtime beat writer who's covered different teams. Uh, who is the toughest manager you've ever uh, started with? And if you don't have an answer, I can start and give you a time, chance to think. Hmm. Um- I'm going to say, and it, it, it's not as slam dunk as uh, you would think, but I mean, Tom Kelly, dealing with Tom actually made me a much better beat writer because I learned pretty early that I, I needed to figure out ways to think along with him. I needed to uh, look at the at the end of every game. I would look at the next day's pitcher and try to figure out what the bat order was going to be uh, and, and kind of get a greater feel about when he would want to sit down a lefty against lefty or, or a platoon or, or use his bench more. Uh, 
he made me dot my eyes and cross my t's because he would uh he would uh, not be happy if he asked a question that uh, that was something i could either look up or already know going in so uh he may be a better beat writer but i'm telling you bob boone is not far behind because boone <laughs> the thing about bob boone was he he thought he invented the game he thought he knew everything about baseball he went to stanford so you know how these stanford educated <laughs> people are um it was hard to have conversations with him because I automatically know more than you and you cannot have a conversation with me on this level. So that, that was, it was kind of frustrating dealing with Bob Boone um, when he was, when I was covering the worlds for the Kansas city star. I'll go second. I'll let Roy that clean up here uh, since he's the best hitter in the group by a little bit. Uh, I could say Tom Kelly because I had the same experience with Tom. He was, he was very good to me, but he also was very particular about the way you ask questions, how you phrase them, how, you know, and, and what I, the best thing I learned from Tom is something that a lot of people in our business need to learn, which is don't, don't offer a soliloquy and then transition to your question. It's not about <laughs> you proving, it's not you taking five minutes to prove that you know the subject and then asking a question that might or not, might not be related. Just ask the shortest, simplest question and let him go. And if there's something to be explained, then he'll explain it. Or if he doesn't, then maybe he learned something from that. Uh, so yeah, Tom was a great, uh, great learning tool for me, but I, I will, I'll give you a surprising answer. I think the toughest manager I ever dealt with was Ron Garden, Gardenhire near the end. Uh, Ron Gardenhire was the best sports figure I probably ever dealt with when things were good or competitive because he was, he was the fu- one of the funniest people I've ever been around high energy. He cared what people wrote. Uh, he, he wanted to get along with you know people in the media. He would give you information and insights. Uh, and it was fun being around. Him. And I thought, Toward the end, when he knew he was kind of playing out the string and he was going to get fired eventually, and the team was the team was just bad, and nobody was coming to save him, uh, I just thought that uh, seeing the life of the party basically become depressed right before your eyes and really not like doing this stuff anymore, I thought that was the toughest I've ever dealt with. Roy, he hated social media too, so I think I was wearing down him. Yeah, and, and social media drove him crazy, and I don't blame him. What do you got, Roy? Well. <laughs> I I played for, uh, in my 13 years in the big leagues, I played for 15 managers. So I'm not sure the manager didn't think I was the toughest guy. <laughs> this is your chance to fire back. <laughs> uh, I, I played for um, uh, uh, five, let's see, how many guys did I play? I played for uh, five managers in uh, two and two-thirds years in uh, in New York. I got there with Bob Lemon. Uh, Hall of Fame pitcher, wonderful, wonderful guy. George fired uh, him, hired uh, Gene Michael, former big league shortstop, wonderful guy. Uh, Stick and Stick. I got along. Yeah, Stick and I got along great. And and um, then Stick got fired and, and moved up to the front office. And a front office guy named Clyde King, who had been a pitching coach, oh yeah, you know, they, they made him manager. And the next year it was um, it was Billy again. Billy's back. And uh, then in eight, then the following year it was Yogi. You know, then Billy, Billy and George got into it again. And then the following year it was Yogi. Yogi is one of my favorite people of all time. So I, I, I was fortunate enough. As many managers I played for, none of them were really hard. I mean, I played for Tony Larissa for a little while in Chicago. He was great. Uh, none of them were really, really hard, except for my first year in the big leagues coming up to uh, a, uh, a team as a 22-year-old with uh, Billy Martin as the manager. Ooh. And Billy was tough on young players. Um, he, 
I, I always kind of felt like looking around, I always kind of felt like he wasn't as tough on me as he was on some of the other guys. He just beat up Jim Sundberg, a really good catcher as, as Sonny was, you know, kind of settling into a gold glove caliber catcher. But Billy was tough on him his first few years and um, Roy Howell and different guys. But he was tough to play for as a, as a young guy for me as well. And uh, when I got reunited with him in 83, I'd been established an established player and, you know, could play shortstop and hit the ball in the ballpark. And, and he and I got along fine at, at that point in time. By then, he was tough just because of the chaos. You know, I mean, there was – if you can only imagine. Well, you guys have seen it. I mean, in New York – where there's a hundred people in the clubhouse every day, meeting people anyway. And, uh, you know, Billy and, and George going round and round and we had characters on the team. So it was, it was absolute chaos with, uh, with Billy in New York. And so that wasn't tough on me interpersonally, you know, Billy to me, it was just tough because, (laughs) because it was tough, you know, in, in, in that situation, just coming to the ballpark, not knowing, what the lineup was going to be, not knowing if something was going to be blowing up in the clubhouse when you walked in. It, it was, it was, it was wild. Oh, I can't imagine. All right, we'll do some more story time as the off season progresses. We will start getting a little more Twins action, uh, Twins Caravan, Diamond Awards. I'm sure they're going to make a trade sometime in the next month, six weeks, and that'll be fascinating. We're also going to try to have some fun, telling some stories. We do great storytellers on the show. Thank you all for listening. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week.